to LaFontaine. He gets tripped up, gets it to May, and over the line. Here's May going in on goal. He shoots. He Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Puck Talk Live podcast. My name is Logan Rosengard. With me on the call, as always, is Noah Foster and Rafi Sarafian. Boys, today's a special day. Not the fact that it's Friday, because every Friday is a good day. Today is a very specific Friday. It is May 1st, May Day, International Declaration Day. We're all seniors in high school. We're all going to a knocking on wood, uh, attending school in a different area than we are currently at right now. Where are you boys going off to college next year? I will be attending the University of Wisconsin in Madison for some sort of engineering. I'm not sure, quite sure what yet, what I'm going to be doing. But Big hockey school. Big hockey school indeed. Big hockey school. Rafi, where are you off to? I'll be heading to a school with an upcoming new hockey team. Hopefully. The University of Illinois at Champaign-Urbana for, likely, for soon-to-be chemical engineering. That's so good. We're getting excited. There. Big basketball. And then you, sport. Logan? Uh, it, eh, not, not that big. Bigger, but... big-ish. Top 25. Better than their football. Better than their, Better football. Than their football. They bowled this year. They went bowling. People do forget. Lovey Smith took them bowling. They... Mm-hmm. they did. They did, and they lost. Why? <laughs> did you really Logan. have to bring that like, up? Did your team even make a bowl game? <laughs> they did. They did? Who? Illinois? Your team. My, my team? No, your no, team. No, no, no. They're all. Yes. They, they were all. Okay, yes, I thought yeah. so. Yeah, I thought so. I will so. be going to the University of Kansas studying journalism. I will be continuing my quest to be the best journalist major in the country, even though that is not my quest. I just want to be a live director of a hockey of a hockey team. But it is still my quest to be the greatest at that. I will be in Kansas, big basketball school, great ACHA D3 club hockey team. Not that that means anything in the national scheme of things, but it's fun to watch. However, we do have a little bit to talk about. Noah, why don't you run us down the list? So we've got some speculations about a certain someone that Hawks fans recognize being the next president of the club. We're not really sure if it's going to happen, but we'll discuss it. We've got a couple updates on the NBA in case you guys haven't been up to date with that and how that's probably going to happen the same for the NHL and some signings. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about compliance buyouts and in light of some recent news that broke about them. And then we'll also be talking about the player, what the players want for uh, the NHL playoffs upcoming uh, this summer, fingers crossed, knocking on wood. So first, the familiar face that I was talking about, Eddie Olchek, a longtime Hawks player and longtime commentator, color commentator. Currently before... Uh... Before Patrick Kane retires, currently the uh, holder of the greatest American hockey player to ever play. Before yep. Patrick Kane retires, that is. Mm-hmm. So once Kane retires, he will take that throne from him. Probably yes. already has, but just to seal the deal when he retires. Uh, there has been some speculation that he's going to be the next president of the Blackhawks club. Eh, maybe. I I think I, I don't know if anybody knows really what's going on behind the scenes, but keep 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 him on the call, please. Yeah. Like, I, I think Hawks too. fans would much rather hear his golden, golden voice next to Doc Emmerich and, uh, and Pat Foley. 
every every night on on the home and away games than uh than have him in the front office. I think I think everyone would appreciate that. He'd be a great face for the president, but oh yeah, I'm not sure about the business aspect of it. Yeah, because a a lot of that head role is it. It's not really re- very relative to helping the team, in a sense, like succeed on the ice or judging by the coaches and stuff. They overlook it, but they're mostly there for like the business standpoint, as we were, you two were just talking about. And that business part is super key because that's what made John McDonough such a big figure to the Chicago Blackhawks organization over the last decade, how he really turned around a struggling business and fan-wise team like the Chicago Blackhawks back in the early century into a very vivid and very huge atmosphere now and a lot of that comes with the business they, they side would of not it, so. have been able to uh the Blackhawks would probably not have been able to have the success at least that they had without the uh business expertise that John McDonough brought to the scene uh after being the Cubs president for the time that he was there for the 20 plus years that he was there absolutely moving on backup goaltender for the Bruins is staying with the Bruins Yaroslav Halak re-signed a one-year deal worth $2.25 million. I like this deal for the Bruins. I, it, it says to me that they're not that Rask is staying or they're going after another starting goaltender um, because this is, not a, this is not a deal you're signing with a goaltender that you think is going to be your starter for the next three, four, five years. Uh, so I think this is a sign that Rask is coming back next year, which is a good thing for the Bruins. He's a, he's a free agent. This isn't his contract year, right, Rafi? Next year's this year. this, this is his contract. contract. No, this year. is yes. Yeah, so, so his contract was expiring this year, wow. and as you just said, Noah, I'm going to agree with you. It was I think it was a stellar signing. Uh, he definitely played really well this season. Had some pretty good numbers. He's 34 right now, but I'm not too concerned with any signs of him slowing down. So I really like. That signing, Don Sweeney, again, able to just get a player who might look for a bit more money, a bit more term, and got them back on a much cheaper bridge deal, which is genius. Every signing Don Sweeney does is just a a little bit more of genius. And I, day in and day out, get so impressed by how good he is at negotiating contracts with the players. And as I say this a million times, the difference between the Bruins and the Maple Leafs is there's a much stronger connection of willing to take lower cap hits for team success in, with Boston than there is for Toronto. Toronto's more about the money. Boston's more about the com- camaraderie and building the team and having team success and working together. So mm-hmm. that's the reason why, for sure, Boston's always going to be better than Toronto because I, with all these great contracts Boston has, as I've said, they only have one contract that's over $7 million, and that's David Krejci. Who deserves that contract when he got it signed? And he still has been playing pretty well up to it. And it's not another. he doesn't have another six years on it. He has one more year after this year. So I, I just got to say that uh, it, Don Sweeney, again, just did exactly the Don Sweeney thing and did had another amazing signing for his record. Yep. In other news, I know this is big. The uh, KHL's... Uh, all-star defenseman. And I say all-star defenseman because he led defenseman this season in points. Uh, Miko Lettinen 
is coming back to the NHL. He played in the NHL for a couple of years and left on a bit of a sour note to come play overseas. He is from Finland. He played in the KHL for a couple of seasons and is making his way back into the NHL free agent market for next season. Just knowing how, just knowing how he left, I don't think he's going to make that much of a difference. He was, yes, uh, you're, you're playing a pretty competitive professional game over in the KHL. And maybe I'm wrong about the guy, but I don't think his success in the KHL is going to translate nearly as much as uh, fans and he would probably like uh, when he gets signed to an NHL team. Because he will get signed to an NHL team. He's a worthy defender, yeah. but I do not think he's going mm-hmm. to be the top two top four guy that he would like to be. I, I think he really yeah. has to prove himself to be there because that's what a lot of people expected him to be when he started playing in the NHL in the first place. And it turns out that he wasn't that way. He was a bottom six guy. He was not a great, you know, he was not the best asset. He wasn't terrible, but he was not the best asset. Needless to say, uh, it will be interesting to see uh, what happens with him and his signing. Yeah, and when – the, the big deciding factor for a lot of teams is how old he is. And correct me if I'm wrong, I believe he's 26, he's 26 years old. 26, so he's Logan? not in his prime yeah. yet. But, but he's still, at, at this time, you should start to see the defensemen start to kind of gather a role in your sixth pairing, maybe in top four. I feel like we've come to a we're hitting a point now where there's a lot of young defensive talent that's upcoming and also starting right now with guys like Rasmus Dahlin, Mikhail Sergachev, Makar, Hughes. We have a lot of upcoming really young, good defensemen. So I feel like the range of when a defenseman can enter their prime is kind of fluctuating to a younger age now, in my opinion. So some teams might look at him and say, I'm not going to be willing to give you anything longer than a one-year deal because I want to see how you play first. I also feel like you're a bit out of your prime where you just haven't had you haven't gone through the same development as we would rather you have if you were still in the North American leagues. So it'll definitely be interesting to see where he goes. I don't expect him signing for anything I, I more than a million dollars. I really don't expect him getting that big of a deal unless the team values him that high. But it, it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with him, just knowing how he left the league, you know, where his standing was in terms of skill and how he progressed in the KHL. Because the KHL is a very it's, – it's a high-skill league. It's a very – Competitive yeah. professional league. It is the second. I don't care what anyone says about the Finnish league, the Swedish league. They are great professional leagues. That you cannot change my mind on the fact that the KHL is second best in the world in professional hockey to the NHL. I I don't think that's. Yeah. I don't. I don't know if many people will disagree with you. There might be some better players that come from uh, the Swedish league and the Finnish league, but the KHL as a whole is definitely uh, this is definitely the second best in the world. Obviously behind. Uh, the NHL. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see how he shapes up when he's entering the NHL because especially with Kovalchuk, even if he was looking really – even if his stats completely blew us out of the water and there was pretty decent before he left for the KHL and now he's been lighting it up in the KHL. Now, I think that Kovalchuk huge problem situation with, that happened with him in L.A., is going to lead to more franchises being a bit more cautious, a bit more careful with mm-hmm. signing players overseas that are coming back to the NHL. Yep. In my opinion. I agree. So this was news as of right now, Rafi. The NBA, you said this, correct me if I'm wrong, have postponed their draft and 
free agency? Is that is that what you said? It was the NBA Combine. Rafi? It was the NBA Combine. NBA Combine. So their scouting combine, not their draft, though. Just the scouting combine, right? Their combine and draft both got postponed. Okay. So for those that have been following all sports leagues, specifically the NBA, because the NBA and the NHL, they, they play in a lot of similar venues. Keep an eye out on how the NBA handles their business because it might translate to how the NHL might need to move towards how they handle, you know, specifically with the draft because they are still planning to have a draft this offseason, whether it's in June or whether they have to move it around depending on, you know, what the CDC says, how the Board of Governors and how the uh, Continue to Play Committee um, decides upon that is contingent. Uh, but uh, keep an eye out for how the NBA organizes their schedule for the future and the rest of their season as the NHL might end up mirroring it just solely based on the fact that there's a lot of cooperation happening between uh, Adam Silver and uh, commissioner of the NHL, Gary Bettman and his uh, higher ups as well. Yeah. uh, Real quick too, though, the NHL has already declared that it's going to be late June. I believe June 21st is the main or June 26th has been the two dates brought up the most from what I've been reading. And, the NHL has already said and publicly said, according to multiple sources, that they are doing it virtually. And I, it, it's obvious that they would after all the stuff with, that went with the NFL and the connection, the ties between the NHL and the NFL. So I don't see the NHL postponing the draft, just for our viewers out there. I don't think it's going to be postponed. But do expect that if you are an NBA fan, the draft's going to likely be postponed to somewhere in mid to late June. Mm-hmm. And it will also be held online as well. So let us move on to a bit of a more, uh, a a pretty big deal of a topic in terms of uh, what we've recently been talking about. Compliance buyouts. We had a whole segment on our show uh, within the last month, uh, if my memory doesn't fail me, where we talked about uh, the, the idea of a compliance buyout being used in order to adjust the cap for teams next season who might be over based on the lack of play and based on an adjustment. We now find out that the uh, cap is going to be at $81.5 million. Uh, as of right now, that's what it's going to be listed as for next season. But um, it looks like, according to Elliot Friedman, Huckinet uh, in Canada's Elliot Friedman, owners are very dead set against having a compliance buyout, which is – at least for Blackhawk fans, at least the three of us, because we harp on, on Brent Seabrook's contract being on our books. And we love Brent Seabrook as a guy. He's still a valuable defenseman, but his, his contract is weighing down the Blackhawks cap situation. And as Hawk fans, we are not happy with that. The, the lack of a compliance buyout is scary. Noah, I, I know you have a couple of thoughts on that. Why don't you give us kind of like uh, what, what this means for the league coming up? Yeah, so the reason that owners are really against compliance buyouts is because while it's good for the team, right? Like let's, we'll use, cause we've been talking about Seabrook and Blackhawks a lot. So let's say mm-hmm. the front office, let's say there was a compliance buyout and the front office decides to buy out Seabrook's contract. I'm not sure how much he has left to pay, but it's going to be a significant amount of money, like a couple million dollars. That's it would be for the, for the reference. It'd be around, they'd still be paying him about four and a half million dollars. Yeah. So that's four and a half million dollars like per year. So right now, even if there was just one year left on Seabrook's deal, which is not, but even if it's just one year left on Seabrook's deal, 
That's $4.5 million the organization doesn't have then to try and bounce back, to try and pay other players, to try and promote their, te- to try and promote their team, blah, 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 whatever. Mm-hmm. Keep go- you can keep going with the d- different examples. But, like, the re- especially with um, COVID-19 shutting down everything, the fans might be nervous to come back even when sports do resume uh, with fans. They're not going to be – it seems like there aren't going to be sports with fans for – months at this point so there aren't aren't gonna be any ticket sales obviously so a lot of the team's revenue is going to be lost so they need to keep as much money as they can and paying out someone's contract right now is not good for them even if it's bad for the even if it's bad for their cap they don't really care about the cap at this point they care about saving their organization from going under Mm -hmm. so they need so owners and the front office need to uh, keep their keep their numbers in the positive, keep the numbers in the green, and compliance buyouts would definitely hurt uh, their ability to do that. So that's why they're dead set against it, which is a shame yeah. for us three, especially because we all hate mm-hmm. Seabrook's contract. Yeah, we love Seabrook. And, and just to exactly, just just to make something clear real quick, Noah, because you were saying that it still it affect the ability to pay mm-hmm. other players. The compliance battle will work where they're paying him. So let's say, let's say Sierra's contract was $3 million and they compliance buyout his contract. So the $3 million is off the books mm-hmm. now, but they're still paying Seabrook $2 million each season. Yeah. So the $2 million now doesn't count towards the cap. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You were, you, you brought up something else. I just wanted to Might clarify that. Thank you, Rafi, for the clarification. Yeah. It's a very touchy subject. I know for a fact that there are more than a handful of teams in the league that are currently operating at a loss. Uh, One of them being the Florida Panthers. Um, There are a fair amount of teams that are on the brink. Winnipeg, Carolina, uh, to name a few, that are on the brink of uh, going in the red. uh, As of last season's numbers, the Carolina Hurricanes, for example, were $3 million in profit. Where the Florida Panthers were twenty four million in the gutter. Oh, if if a compliance buyout were, it, it makes sense why owners. No, like you were saying, it makes a hundred percent sense why owners are dead set against a compliance buyout. They cannot afford with the lack. It, I said this in a, a previous episode. I think we were talking. It might have been last week or two weeks ago when I when I said this. Gate entrance fees make up thirty six percent of the league's mm-hmm. revenue. You're losing out on. 15%, a little over 15% of opportunity for gate revenue for every team in the league. That is a huge blow to the budget, especially when there, uh, I'll just use this as an example. There was a time in, in, in the Pittsburgh Penguins history where they needed to get to the second round in order to make, in order to make it into the black. For teams that have a similar scenario, uh, a compliance buyout might hinder that success and might be the difference between looking for a new owner, looking for new management, looking for a new arena, somewhere where they can be a little more profitable and staying in the barn that they're at and keeping the team alive. So it makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it sucks for guys that, you know, uh, suppose Don Sweeney wanted to dump uh, David Ra- David Krejci's contract, which I don't think he does because David Krejci is still a very valuable player to the Boston Bruins organization and the NHL. He'd be stupid to not try and flip him for something valuable. But no one wants to take a $7.5 million cap hit without, you know, another piece of incentive. 
So, you know, if Don Sweeney was, uh, wanted to get it off the books and for whatever reason Boston wasn't as successful as they were, a compliance buyout would not be the case because they'd still be paying for it regardless of it being off the cap. They still have to pay for it, and they're still going to be paying for it longer. When they're taking a hit to profits now, they can't afford that. Yeah, because yeah, then if you think about it, you're paying a player two-thirds of their contract mm-hmm. still, but that's coming out of your wallet. But then you have that cap space, and what are you going to do with that cap space? You're going to spend even more of your team's money to sign another player. So now you're playing, paying for mm-hmm. two players instead of just your regular one. So, yeah, it, Can't it, afford stinks. It. It, it stinks coming from a Hawks fan perspective and let's say like Anaheim, for example, or Detroit, who has like a glaring contract or two where they would love just to see off the books. But it, it makes sense too. And at the end of the day, I would take seeing all 31 and soon to be 32 teams for the next 10 years yep. than lose than having like half the teams shut down in the next 10 years just because and be like at least Seabrook's contract's off the books. No, that's kind of selfish. I'd rather have the team, all the teams still here than one contract wiped yep. off the books. Absolutely. There is – let's get into our main topic for today. Uh We've talked a lot about how we think the playoffs are going to happen, uh, how we think uh, the league is going to resume with the steps being taken by the NHL, by Bill Daly, by Gary Bettman and the continue to play uh, committee that was put together between the uh, Board of Governors and uh, prominent players in the NHL, uh, one of which being Connor McDavid. Um, there are there, there is apparent speculation that a 24-team playoff format not 2014 like the year a 24 to 14 playoff format that uh would be in play so rafi uh you seem to have a pretty good grasp on how it's going to look why don't you run the uh listeners and us down on how that might look yeah and noah can feel free to also hop in too because no one knows also pretty Noah and i have been talking about this the last few days so how this would work is and Noah, feel free to hop in, as I just said, whenever, if you feel like I said something wrong or feel to correct something. So how this is going to work, how this proposal is supposed to pan out, is each, so there's four divisions in the NHL. What we're thinking about right now, and this is what's been going around, is the top six teams of each division is into the playoffs. So you have a central division, you have a Pacific division, side of the conference, and then that's your Western side, and you have your Atlantic and Metro divisions on the other side. So six teams on each. Your one seed, your top two teams play each other to determine, Noah, what was it for yeah, home ice it advantage? Would, or? So, number, so the top two teams in each division would play in a best of three to determine a division winner. And then the three, the third best team in the division would play the sixth best, the fourth best plays the fifth best um, to keep going. So basically... So they'd all be playing yes. at the same time. So basically what would happen is you'd have three games, well, three games per division on, um, or three series, excuse me, per division going on at the same time. The one of the two matters a little bit because it determines the division winner. It determines um, like who gets to play the lowest seed, but it doesn't, but neither of the teams are going to be knocked out. Both of the one and the two, two seeds will be advancing to the next round, regardless of who wins and who loses. Now, if the three now the three v six and the four v five, there will be somebody going home from those series. So those are for the right to keep playing. So eventually, it would turn into um, a four team or two series 
and then one for the division, one one series for the division. Basically, just double what the NFL does. Practically, yeah. Just yeah. double that. So, and I personally really like this idea of having the first and second seed play each other for who gets the one seed because there's a lot of people talking and saying, well, if you give these, if for example, if you give the Bruins and the Lightning a bye week, wouldn't that put them at a disadvantage though? Because they wouldn't be on the ice. They wouldn't be in a game setting. They wouldn't be ready to go. And if you're barely playing out the season or you just call the regular season off, you're expecting them to be putting in exactly how they were playing earlier, which will completely not happen, which puts them at a complete disadvantage. So it's good to still have that competition, even if it doesn't necessarily mean that one of the one of you two is going mm-hmm. home. So I like that a lot. I like that aspect. Yep. I'm also a big fan of having the one and two seeds play each other because if you look at a division like the Metro, the Capitals right now are sitting in the one spot. They have 90 points. But the Flyers, as we all know from the end of the regular season, were flaming hot. They had won, I believe, something like nine in a row. And they were streaking. Yeah. So, And they have 89 points right now. So if you put those two against each other, who knows? Maybe Philadelphia comes out on top. Instead of just giving the team with a one-point advantage, oh, you're the best team in the division, Here's, here you go, you get to play the lowest seed. You have the two teams, maybe somebody, maybe you have uh, the second seed prove themselves, and they're the new top team in the division. Say, even the same thing with Boston and Tampa Bay. Those teams are pretty evenly matched. Actually, in just about every division, it's like that, except maybe the Pacific. Um, so I like that idea a lot. What I don't like is how with the top six teams from each division Mostly because that's put the Hawks out of the playoffs, but we all kind of do that anyway. Yep. The big team that I'm looking at that would be sitting out of the playoffs right now is the New York Rangers, who are one point behind the Islanders in the seventh spot in the Metro. Uh, this team has proven themselves. Uh, they were going to be, I believe they were going to be a wild card or just sitting right outside of the normal playoff bracket. And this was a team that could have made possibly made it past the first round if they'd gotten out of the wild card. So... It's. I don't like that they're shot out of the playoffs. I mean, that's probably just about the only team that doesn't really deserve to be in the that doesn't that's like supposed to be in the playoffs but isn't. But I think that there might. I'm not. I haven't thought about a lot of different scenarios for playoffs, but this one seems slightly unfair uh, yeah. to me. Yeah, and and just to put in perspective, and then Logan, you can talk and give your thoughts too. The. Rangers right now are two points out of the wild card spot right now in the regular playoff format. The next three teams behind them would all be in the playoffs due to them being in the Atlantic division. The Florida Panthers, who has 78 points, one point behind the Rangers. Montreal, who's eight points behind the Rangers. And Buffalo, who is 10 points behind the Rangers. If I'm a Rangers fan and that happens to me, I'm going to be, I'd be livid. It would just not be fair. Yeah. You know, it, at the end of the day, it's a business. It's not. It's not fan service. But like, I hundred percent understand what you're saying because if if you e- even the execs in the uh, um, front office of the Rangers, uh, which by the way are the most like profitable franchise in the league, uh, yeah, they would not have a problem. They, if they, they, they wouldn't have a problem even with all of this, uh, even with all the stuff around the virus. I digress. I think a 2014 playoff is a little excessive. I think you, you've you've got to you've got to find a way to keep it the same because it 
you're never going to hear the end of, you know, you, you allow this team in on this circumstance. Yes, it is a very special circumstance, and no one would have predicted it five months ago if you told – if you told someone that in five months we're going to be on lockdown and the league is going to be stalled, I would have slapped you across the face and told you to get out because that's an absurd thing to say. Uh, it's, you know, it. I think a 2014 playoff is excessive because you're never going to hear the end of it. If you let Buffalo in and by some means, by some miracle, Buffalo gets their stuff together, gets their act together, and uh, Jack Eichel carries them uh, to the conference finals somehow, I, I think you're never going to hear the end of it. Because, oh, this one time, why can't we just have a 2014 playoff the entirety of the league's existence after this, even after Seattle gets uh, put in the league in the 2021-22 season? It, it's going to be an endless, endless you know, train of, holy cow, I can't believe you let this happen which is not something I, I mean, want to be around for. Like, yes, it's a very special circumstance. And yes, owners need hockey to happen. And if this is the way that it's going to need to happen, so be it. However, I, 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 I'm, I'm, a, I'm a purist. I'm a traditionalist. I think a 16-team playoff, try and keep it as true to form as possible, finish the league in as true to form as possible. It, that, that, that's, my, that's my take on it. I think as long – I think this is – I see your point, Slogan. I think that what it's going to come down to is whether or not the NHL is willing to resume the regular season matchups or do some regular season games. Because if they finish out the season and the Rangers completely choke for some reason and they miss the regular playoffs, there's no excuse then for why you missed the playoffs. You had 10 games. The Rangers would have had 12 games to play. If you were not able to put yourself in a playoffs position with 12 games left in your season, that's not, that's not coronavirus's fault. That's not this whole delay's fault. It's your fault that you can get your act back together and finish the season off strong. So I would, I think we're heading towards a area now, and this I've heard in the news from ESPN that Gary Bettman and Adam Silver have reportedly both said that they're willing to start the season in their season, respective seasons in November even December, by all means. So I think that they're both really pushing for to finish out the regular season and have a regular playoff. And as fun as it is to speculate a 2014 playoff, I agree with you, Logan. It's best sometimes just to keep things the way they are to avoid people making a big stink. You never know because the owners have a huge sway. The owners, Gary Bettman might be the commissioner of the league, but the owners own Gary Bettman. Without the owners, Gary Bettman would not be able to do half the things he's able to do. And that's just because the NHL is a private company. That's how that works. It's a board of directors. Well, it's like any reason. business. It's like exactly. any big it's business. Like any private, so you, it's like any big you could be a, business. You could be the biggest CEO of the world, but if all your workers leave at the bottom, you have nothing. The, you the, the owners run the league. At the end of the day, the owners own Gary Bettman. And if an owner makes enough of a stink, a prominent owner of a, of a franchise that brings a lot of money to the league, the New York Rangers specifically, if they're cheated out of a playoff spot when they could have very easily, you cannot change my mind to this under any normal circumstance, the, the, uh, the Rangers would have made the playoffs. I think agreed uh, just with the momentum that they had uh, carrying in down the stretch uh, led by our Tony Panarin and Mika Zibanejad. There was nothing that could have stopped them from getting into the second or maybe even first wildcard spot in the East. The owner of the of the uh, Rangers would make a huge stink if uh, this were to if this were to happen. I, I would not doubt that. 
and, and he, then, he has a lot of sway. They made three hundred seventy million dollars in profits last season. That is absurd. They are not. They are not least worried about their money. They are worried about the, the the future of the team right now. If you're the owner, that is a huge tank. That is a huge blow. And yes, you might get a draft pick out of it, but the, the he the owner is due for a stink if there's a 2014 playoff. I would not doubt it. And if you think about it too, there'd be teams that'd be giving a stink. Like, why are you putting us in the playoffs? Like, if I'm if we didn't just went and jumped into a 2014 playoff, if I'm the Ducks or the Devils or Buffalo, for example. I am already planning for the draft. Like, I've been scouting prospects. I'm expecting a top five, six. If you all of a sudden yep. put me in the playoff and then I get pushed up, pushed lower by like four or five picks, I'm going to be super annoyed because you just completely ruined our scouting. You completely ruined our schedule, our draft rankings. You, we're trying to tank. We're trying to lose. And you're just saying, oh, no, we're giving you an extra few spots. To f- there are things that are being planned for. Yeah, exactly. And the 2014 playoff is something that might like, stir some people the wrong way. Like, imagine, That's all I'm getting Imagine at. if Anaheim – like, Anaheim is a big team, for example. They're sitting in the top five right now. And the way it's looking, like, the lottery might have a, like, back-in-the-day formation where it was top five teams had could were the only teams that could move up into the top three. If you put Anaheim in the playoffs, Anaheim doesn't have that chance. And if you're trying to rebuild – and start over again, like Anaheim's now starting to rebuild, start doing things over, that can push back a rebuild in another two, three years just because of that one decision. So it and doesn't again, necessarily affect the teams on, on how, the top. It's very contingent on how the Board of Governors handles things with the draft and how, how standings are going to be made in order for the draft lottery, if there, is an, if, even if, if there even is, pardon me, a draft lottery this year. A lot of it's contingent on, uh, you know, policies and league runnings that are uh, adapted, adopted through the uh, Board of Governors meetings that happen every day. It, there's a lot on the line. There is a lot, a lot up in the air. And at the end of the day, as you said, Logan, the best thing to do is just try to keep everything as regular as possible as if it was just a regular season and just try to do it like that. Because the more you do that, that's been the same for the last 10, 15 a hundred years, there's going to be less and less people that try to complain and try to make a big sink out of their result. Yep. I think what's also important to consider is how many games will be played and how much money that will make the league. If you have a 2014 playoff, if every series goes the distance, that's a lot more games. Um, That's a a lot of games that are to be put on national TV and everyone is going to be watching it. Hockey fans, casual fans, People who, people who are kind of interested in hockey, it's going to be one of the only things on for sports. And people are going to be so desperate, they will watch it. Ratings are up. Um, viewership is up. That makes more money for the league. So that's something also important to consider um, when like thinking about this situation, especially for owners who, as we've talked about before, care about the money, especially now. Yeah. It's... A lot's on the line. Mm-hmm. It it is it is going to be a weird postseason. We've said this a lot. I don't think there's any denying it. We've said it a lot on the show. I've said it a lot off of the show. This summer, whether there is playoff hockey or not during the summer months, whether the league next season starts on time or not, it is going to be a weird, weird time for the NHL. And 
it, it it's just going to have to happen how it happens, and we're just going to be here on the Puck Talk Live podcast talking about it every week on Tuesdays and Fridays, like we always do, given our analysis, given our two cents. But it's going to be interesting. Yeah. I, I don't think there's any doubting it. But on a kind of lighter note, and this is something that's been brought to my attention, I believe it was last night. Uh, I forgot who it was. Uh, someone from TSN was doing an interview with Milan Lucic of the Calgary Flames about having no fans possibly in, the, in their stadium as well playing Superstar. games. Superstar Milan Lucic. <laughs> not, not Boston Bruins Milan Lucic. Calgary Flames. Nope. Milan Lucic kind of fall, fell off. Regardless, though. Needless to say. Yeah. Lucic, Lucic makes, made this joke, and I couldn't agree more with this, when he started saying about how there's a lot of chirping that goes on on the benches to other players during a hockey game. And you're going to – and there's a good chance with no fans that the reporters, the broadcasts are going to pick up on a lot of that. So for better or for the worse, it's going to – it sounds like regardless of – It's going to make for good TV. You're going to hear guys pointing and saying, I need you going this way. I need you talking strategy. Then you're going to hear guys like Brad Marchand and guys like – and like Ryan Kessler, for example, if he was on the Canucks still, like they'd all just be chirping and swearing at each other, and it would be, it would be, a, it would be a show, but it would, you would have to start playing like PG thirteen ratings before every playoff game or every <laughs> NHL game. <laughs> the par- the parabolic mics that uh, the NFL have are probably going to need to be used because I I do not see a playoff scenario without fans where you shouldn't, where you won't hear what's happening on the ice. Like that is one of the best things about hockey the 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 chitter chatter that happens on the ice between teammates uh between two different teams the chirps uh everything that happens on the bench you, you it is a different it's a different experience hearing that so yeah i i i think i think Lucci is right i i i think in that sense like you hear a lot of players saying if there's playoff hockey it might be the best playoffs because everyone's going to be healthy yeah. It's going to be the best playoffs for the fans, besides the fact that it might be some of the best playoff hockey that the league has ever seen in a long time. In terms of television content, you might see things and hear things that you've never heard before because of the lack of fans, and the noise in the arenas are going to reverberate like crazy. So it's going to be fun. It is going to be a good, good... Uh, the, the outcome of that might be very, very positive for viewership, and it might help the league. Uh, make back some of the losses of pausing the season. Yeah, because as I said, you have a guy that you guys may have not heard of, Vladimir Tarasenko, who was expected to be missing a week or two of the playoffs. It was up in the air whether or not he was ready to go. He's healthy. He's ready to go now. He's healthy. You have Stamkos who's going to be ready to go and healthy. You have guys like Dougie Hamilton might be back. James Van Riemsdyk. Yeah, exactly. Like Dougie Hamilton. I believe Seth Jones was injured for a bit too. You're going to have guys who are going to be all fresh and ready to go. And I think that just fuels the fire and makes it even more fun to watch that everyone's going to be healthy, everyone's going to be fresh and ready to go. So if you give them the time to get back into it, to have these camps and stuff, it's going to be one heck of a playoffs because everyone's going to be – It's going to be the best playoffs we've ever seen. It's going to be like you started the playoffs in October and just threw everyone in like that. Like here's your practice games, then right into the playoffs. And who knows, Buffalo could benefit from that because – they tend to always think the playoffs start in November, so <laughs> yeah. maybe a shorter season will help them. 
golf season for the hockey players is definitely going to be a little shorter, despite the fact that at least in Illinois, golf courses have opened up. Yeah, and uh, I I think I I don't I, I'm not an NHL player, but I think I can speak for them when I say that I'd rather have hockey playing be golf. playing hockey than playing golf. I'm sure. On that note, oh wait, no, no, I just no. I'm I'm yeah. sure I'm sure they would rather be playing hockey than playing golf. That was my comment. Okay. <laughs> I swear, I swear, I heard one of you guys say say something like uh, like I was about to cut you off, and I would have just felt so terrible there. Nope. Thank God I don't have to feel like the bad guy. <laughs> On that note, thank you everybody for tuning into this episode of the Puck Talk Live podcast, the May Day special of the Puck Talk Live podcast, as uh, Rich Janeret would say for the Buffalo Sabers, one of the greatest uh, play-by-play announcers, uh, in my opinion. Thank you everybody for tuning in. My name's Logan Rosengard. We post shows every Tuesday and Friday. Stay tuned on Spotify, Anchor, and soon-to-be Apple Podcasts, uh, pending approval from the Apple Podcast team. Uh, and follow us on Instagram, at Puck Talk Live. My name is Logan Rosengard, and we will see you all.